You are listening to the Over and Back podcast with Jason and RJ. And as always, we want you all to shut up and sit down. Hey, hey, NBA fans, welcome to the Over and Back podcast for Sunday, March 10th, 2019. We are your weekly source of NBA topics and other news stories from around the world of sports. I am Jason Corbis, and with me is R.J. Benner. Hey, RJ, hey. what's going on, bud? You know, just, uh, just enjoying a, a lazy Sunday, man. There's not, not a lot going on. and uh, It's a beautiful Sunday. It is, man. Back-to-back good days. It's like uh, spring has sprung. Daylight savings has kind of kicked my butt, though. And somebody needs to tell spring it needs to be warmer than 40 degrees, though. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so you know, if you're a uh, if you're game, I, I think we have quite a bit of topics uh, to, to jump into. So I'd like to just get started. So yeah, we had we had a surprisingly busy week. Not so much game wise, just interesting stories and what teams decided to do with their players as we reach the end of the season. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I want to touch base on too is uh, some some information that came out from Adam Silver and I want to thank you earlier I wrote down David Silver for all you 90210 fans I'm apparently still mourning the passing of Luke Perry Adam Silver <laughs> NBA commissioner admits uh, that the all-star game in, his, in its current format is bad he talked about eliminating it and also discussed that the length of the NBA season is too long so this is um, you know the I guess the cat's out of the bag the big secret is that the all-star game is bad I think we've been saying this for years Jason yeah it's uh, it lost all of its fun Uh it was one of the things that really drew me to the game, especially in the early 90s and into the 2000s, man. These guys really competed out there. And it wasn't uh, what they consider now competing a little bit towards the end of the game to try to get the win. Like, mm-hmm. they would t- they would take it a little bit easy in the first three quarters. And then these guys played to want to murder each other in the fourth back in the day. And that was a lot of fun to watch because they wanted that win, you know? Yeah. You know, one of the things that you said uh, as we were prepping for the show was... Uh, uh, for some of the other topics about how the, the NBA players follow LeBron's mentality, right? right. And I think that they have that hive mentality. Whoever the greatest player is, everybody kind of builds their brand mm-hmm. around around who that person is. LeBron's mentality has always been, uh, I have an image, I have I have a, a right. dollar amount, I have a brand. Uh, you know, when the NBA that we're talking about, that was Kobe, that was LeBron, and, and it was their, their projection was always win. Uh, Kobe wanted to win at all costs. Couldn't do it quite as good as Jordan. Jordan could win almost on demand. But that's what we saw, those three quarters of goofing around, having fun, everybody giving each other a hard time a lot. But that's also when you saw a lot of the bench players coming in. And then fourth quarter, your starters came in. It was lockdown mode. I, I remember Magic Johnson on his like farewell All Star yeah. game after he was diagnosed with HIV. <laughs> they even did him up in the fourth. Yeah, like the fourth <laughs> quarter, he was going at everybody having a, or he was having a good time throughout that whole game. Fourth quarter comes along, Jordan D's him up at half court, you know, and that <laughs> was the right. All Star game. That's right. You know, don't take it easy on anybody. You know, uh, another interesting thing is part of the reason why uh, the game hasn't been been competitive is because there's literally no stakes involved yeah and if it doesn't count for anything the players obviously don't care about it now in baseball it's really cool because whoever wins correct me if i'm wrong whoever wins in the all-star game actually gets to uh have that uh yeah home field advantage uh, has home field advantage in the world series now if we can have some sort of 
uh, some sort of you know prize that these guys can keep their eye on as far as having this game actually mean something and be important. I think that would actually make quite a big change. You know? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. If, I've never been a, a super big fan of that. You know, you might win like in the in, in the MLB, you might win 115 games, be the best team by a mile, but you don't get. Um, uh, home field advantage, or what? Yeah, I think it's called home field advantage in baseball. Yeah. I'm not a big yeah. baseball it's fan. Home anymore, diamond but, advantage, yeah, right. Uh, but uh, you know, just because of your All Star game, uh, where you have little impact or no impact, depending on how many stars you send, uh, all of a sudden you're penalized for that. I'm not a super big fan of that. I understand the importance, and it does make the All Star game a little bit more viable than the other sports. Well, they would um, they would fight for it, you know. They, yeah, I, I would. So think of how great that would be. How hard say. You know, without the way it's drafted, you know, if we went back to East and West, how hard that Eastern team would fight? Because generally, it's the Western teams that are more dominant. Mm-hmm. This year, we have a bit of an exception with Milwaukee, but usually it's somebody out of the West with the best record. Now, if these Eastern teams have a chance to actually get home court advantage in the finals because they, you know, worked really, really hard and were competitive in the All Star game, I mean, it could be it could be interesting. Well, you know, might we, not be right, but interesting. We could also make it a little bit more pointed towards today's. NBA players and say whoever wins the uh, All-Star Game MVP gets a free movie role. <laughs> I might yeah, LeBron will hook him up. It might be a bit part. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, I would say that the All-Star Game is a joke. A lot of a lot of the 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 problem around it from NBA players is they talk about that they're not going to go try hard, get themselves injured. I, you know, I'm going to ask you, can you think of any time in NBA history that somebody's been seriously injured in the All-Star game or even a minor injury in the All-Star game? You barely even see it. I mean, I can remember one time and I don't even think you it was it was that serious an injury. I think you uh you have the info on actually what that injury was, don't you? Yeah, yeah, so Dwayne Wade broke Kobe Bryant's nose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like a Didn't broke... we all want to do that at one point, though? <laughs> but, that, yeah, I mean, that's the extent of it. Like, a broken nose, and then you have some minor tweaks here and there. Like, Anthony Davis got on the court this last year and um, sprained his shoulder when he high-fived on the... Uh, Wait, can we use our, our word for that? Allegedly? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I, I think he raised his arm up above his head, and then, you know, he had to go sit down and um, go to a safe room for a while because he, that hurt him a little bit. But other than that, there's not a lot of injuries. Um, you know, football... The, the most violent of all the sports, I mean, uh, maybe hockey, but I don't consider hockey a sport. Uh, uh, <laughs> Ouch. It's, it's more of a... I Sorry, don't know, Canada. I don't know what to call it, but hey, we're not targeting Canada with this podcast. Now, uh, I mean, all joking aside, hockey's a little bit different of a beast. When I consider sports, I look at the main three, baseball, basketball, and football. Football is clearly the most violent of the three. They're Pro Bowl... Um, the the most serious injury that's happened is uh, in recent in recent years is a, a Drew Brees dislocated elbow because somebody got a little too froggy on a sack. Other than that, the only time somebody's really had a career impacting injury in the All Star in, in an All Star or Pro Bowl game is Robert Edwards in uh, the early 2000s. He completely shredded his knee, had to get reconstructive surgery, and he never was able to really play again. But do, do you know where he? You know what? Do you know what he was actually doing at the at the Pro Bowl when he shredded his knee? Well, I believe he was taking part in extracurricular activities. Beach volleyball. Yeah, yeah, he know. was playing beach volleyball. Yeah, you get your That's, foot stuck in the sand. <laughs> right. and... So the most serious injury that we can that we can name, and I think in the seventies there was a Pete Rose, uh, he diving into a catcher in an All Star game that ruined his career too. Well, I but... think if we look at it too, we'd find more injuries and more serious injuries in the PGA Tour Pro Am game. So <laughs> you know. yeah, the point is, you're not going to get hurt. Try a little bit hard. I never saw Michael Jordan hurt himself. Larry Bird hurt himself in an All Star game for trying for for twelve minutes of. Of no, the, of the I think 48. I think I think the 
biggest thing to be hurt is if uh, if these guys lose and they're competing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that looks bad. Yep. You know, now if everybody goes in yeah. with a blase attitude that nobody cares, if they lose, yeah, no skin off my nose. Don't, it's yeah. not a real game. Don't even get me started. What was it, two, three years ago when we, we saw uh, Steph Curry kind of fall to the ground as a joke uh, oh, yeah. on, on a Giannis breakaway dunk? Like, haha, that's fun. No, it's not funny. Yeah. Get up and play. Stop and goofing around. Especially when all these people say they respect the game. This is a. Uh, you know, it's it's a problem. These are yeah. these are some of the most expensive tickets all year. I mean, these tickets prices for All Star games, excuse me, rival rival the NBA Finals. You know, and it's mm-hmm. it's a shame that people just uh, take it so lightly. Yeah. So I'm all for seeing what Adam Silver gets to do to this All Star game if if he blows it up if he comes up with anything. I tell you, what he floated to shorten the season was kind of ridiculous. Doing mini tournaments. Potentially mini uh, tournaments to, to offset any revenue losses that come from reducing the amount yeah, of games in the season. Well, the idea about that doesn't make any sense because these players are still going to have to play in games yep. that they think don't mean anything. Right. So what's the point? Yeah. I, it just I think it's I think it's one of these things where the you know I, I hate to say it like this but the solution is a different type of player. It's it's a yeah. we're just in a phase where these are are greedy be first players who don't really care about the game yeah. the way that what it would really end up doing too is. You know, our ticket prices are going to be jacked. Yep. You know, we're losing, you know, twenty percent in our uh, our revenue because of the fact that there's less home games. Well, ticket prices are just going to have to go up twenty percent, and then we're all going to be drinking twelve dollar beers and and fifteen dollar nachos during the. You know, it's just <laughs> that doesn't even sound that ridiculous. I mean, that that's what I mean. Like that's not even that big of a stretch. Like <laughs> those prices are are very. Uh, I bet you that's. I bet you anybody in L.A. that hears you say that's like, what do you mean? I pay that now. I pay double that now. Well, I think the most I've ever paid for nachos is twelve dollars. So I yeah. mean, fifteen dollars, I guess, wouldn't be terrible. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we have uh, we have to make a pact right here on uh, on this podcast. We're gonna make a commitment to one another. Are you ready? Okay, let's see. Okay, this is the last podcast, barring some outlandish, crazy event or. The super rare chance the Lakers make the playoffs that we talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, we, we do talk about this year. We do talk a lot about this team that I really have not been able to stand. Being a, you know, a, a Blazers fan for you know my whole time I lived in Oregon. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. if people know that uh, who are out there, but most people in our area, that's like that's pretty much the least liked group of guys in this territory. So, yeah. Yeah. and 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 I, again, like I said, I'm I'm, I'm like a. a um, a, a Fairweather fan, a bandwagon jumping fan from time yeah. to time. Uh, well, well, it hasn't been bad because we've been able to talk bad about the Lakers and LeBron in the same topic. <laughs> right. So it's been pretty so, exciting. So I'll say this. <laughs> there there are three different topics that we probably should cover for the Lakers before we put it to bed. Uh, then, of course, it's going to dominate a lot of the offseason talk as well. But for the next 17 games, we won't have to worry about them. So the first thing is Brandon Ingram. Who, man, Brandon, 18 points a game. I don't know if you saw that jump, but 18 points a game mm-hmm. up from, uh, I mean, it's pretty impressive. But anyways, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, both shut down for the season, and LeBron James is now on a 28 to 32-minute restriction with no back-to-backs. Unless, oh, unless he feels like doing more. I completely, completely understand the LeBron James shutdown. That's fine. He's in his 16th year. Brandon Ingram's in his third year. Mm-hmm. He's in his third year. He's just coming on. Well... I understand he's got a little bit of a shoulder injury, but it's nothing that is mm-hmm. going to be like career threatening. You know, he's mm-hmm. well. And Luke Walton, I don't know if you watched the press conference, but Luke Walton uh, refused to answer questions. He just kept saying, "Yeah, Brandon Ingram is shut down for the season with a shoulder injury," and they're no, like, and they kept asking him even, more and more, and he said, "I won't talk about it," which makes me wonder. Can, yeah. 
Yeah. Even if he can come back with like five, six games left, you know what I mean? It's it's still experience for him. Mm-hmm. That would be a chance without LeBron James on the court for him to actually take a team out there and lead them. Yeah. That's good experience for a guy in his third year. And and Lord knows those Lakers need every bit of help in that department they can get when LeBron's not on the floor. Yeah, but again, you're going to risk his trade value if he have, if he re-injures it, right? I mean, that's got to be the mindset. Here's, Somebody here's made that thing. decision. People have not had career-threatening shoulder problems that have been usually, especially if it's a guy of his his height, his build, it's going to be something with your knee or foot or whatever that's going to mm-hmm. be taking you down that is, that's going to be this nagging thing that's going to constantly be keeping you out. When it's upper torso on these guys in a sport that really, really revolves around a lot about your explosiveness, I mean, it's... He's not losing any of that with this injury, and I don't think it's that kind of a... Uh, <laughs> don't, t- don't tell Markel Fultz. Well. <laughs> All joking aside, yeah, Lonzo Ball also done. Uh, he never really recovered from uh, from his injury as well, so they're shutting him down yeah. uh, for the rest of the season. So uh, I'm going to just come out and say it. The, the disaster of the Lakers season, a lot of it has to rest on the fact that these three... You know, go, the core three, I won't call them the big three, but these core three players, uh, Kuzma stepped up this season and kind of replaced uh, uh, him, inserted himself into that conversation. Yeah, but going into the season, Kuzma's the core... stock raised quite a bit with this Yeah, team. but going into, yeah, going into the season, those three people, um, Ball, Ingram, and, and LeBron, were supposed to carry a majority of the weight. You know, they only played uh, 23 games together this season, and they went 15-8 and eight in those games. Well, part of it was really detrimental coming into the year that... LeBron James refused to play any in the preseason. These guys missed out on an opportunity to get to gel. He wasn't he wasn't there. You know? It's and especially with with all the expectations and, you know, what everybody was thinking these Lakers were gonna be, to not give these guys, these young guys a chance to actually develop with LeBron James a little bit before the season yeah. to get their games to be able to gel, it was it was pretty unfortunate. Yeah. I'll also say Ingram's what, twenty one, twenty two years old, Lonzo Ball is twenty one years old. They each missed thirty games. That's a pretty I mean, that's a pretty big deal for being so young. Uh, everybody made such a big deal about uh, 34-year-old LeBron James missing 16, 17 games. <laughs> and, the, and these 18, kids, 18, like something like that, yeah. In five weeks of basketball, he, uh, uh, Alonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram are going to miss 30 games apiece. That's yeah. crazy to think about. Like nobody, Nobody's looking at the dialogue of, uh, I mean, that team was, was pretty blistered in injury. And then, of course, the, the chemistry issues. And and, well, uh, and for Ball, I mean, he had a rough year last year with it, too. Yep. And, you know, he's been out multiple times this year come back missed some games went out again i mean it, it's seeming like yep. this might be a regular thing for him and that would be pretty disappointing well i don't i don't think so i've never been a fan of him i, I am happy to see that his dad isn't talking about any of this though that guarantee that they're going to make the playoffs <laughs> um he's kind of keeping his head down well when he's wrong he shuts up <laughs> so, the next lakers topic is lebron james passed michael jordan for fourth all-time in career points big deal or no deal <sighs> It's no deal. Yeah. Uh, part of the reason, too, is how many more minutes and how many more games did it take LeBron James to do that than Michael Jordan? You know, it's multiple seasons more. It's it's crazy to think about the fact that, that uh, he thinks that that's a measuring stick. Because go ahead, just average out the minutes, put in what Michael Jordan's scoring average was, and recalculate it with those extra minutes and extra games that LeBron James had. And Michael Jordan would would pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, yeah. It's 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 not a small thing. I mean, being fourth all time that's that's pretty great. I got it. I got it. Mm-hmm. You know, my hats off to him there. 
but I think the home crowd in L.A. kind of showed him how much they thought of that. You know? Yeah, you know, he was booed that game shooting free throws early on, and then they, I mean, they, they didn't give him a roaring standing ovation. They cheered right. him on. Uh, his, his teammates gave him some high fives. You know who gave him the most love? Rapper Two Chains. Two Chains. <laughs> that's that's what this has come down to. I think that he took longer picking what necklace to give LeBron James <laughs> than the crowd cheered for him. So yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, it's it's in again Two Chains. If you guys don't know, Two Chains and LeBron James worked together recently on uh, Two Chains' new album. So it's not like he's just a Jack Nicholson kind of fan that just jumped up to give him. Why a cheer. was Two Chains wearing like thirty chains? Right, he, it should be a limit of two. <laughs> Multiple <would> chains. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm saying there's a big problem next season, right? Yeah. So Kobe Bryant's about 13, 1,400 points ahead of LeBron James now. That means, barring some catastrophic injury next season, LeBron James will be passing Kobe Bryant for third all time. Right. It, it, they can't do that in L.A., right? Will he oh, get booed? No, man. The LeBron's going to be smart. He's going to, you know, <laughs> if he's got 25... 25 points to go, and they are playing at home. He is going to score 12 points that night. Right? He's going to focus <laughs> on the no assists. There is no way. There is absolutely no way that he's going to go. For, and he's he's always up on what his numbers are. Yep. Uh, there, I don't think there's too much that's more important to him than nope. than his numbers. No. Uh, so he's not going to he's not going to do this in L.A. It's going to be too big of a controversy because you know that these guys are going to boo the ever living snot out of. I mean, they kind of have to. I I wouldn't. I would. Again, I'm not. I'm a fair weather fan. I'm not even a diehard fan. You're a 2K and Lakers fan. I'm a 2K Lakers fan. There you go. Uh, I would not feel good cheering LeBron James passing Kobe Bryant. Nope. Right? That no, just, absolutely not. It, it can't happen. So I say it'll be somewhere like Dallas on a road game. It has to be. Because until he brings a title to L.A., he's not going to be um, on the good side of the fans. Which actually leads me to a discussion we had the other day. You, uh, we have a lot of discussions. Well, you okay, this, me. <laughs> uh, very few LeBron discussions though yeah, that's true. about if he's ever going to win a title in LA. Yeah, and we, 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 I think we were on opposite sides at the end of that conversation. So I'll let you yeah, take it away. I, I think he's going to have a, a lot of trouble uh, getting that. I mean, I say he. Normally, I would say the Lakers are going to have issues getting that extra All Star to come, whether it be free agency or getting the Anthony Davis trade going. But I, just people. We know LeBron has his hand in absolutely everything, so I say he. Uh, people aren't going to want to rush to go play with him. Kawhi is, uh, you know, whether he be up in the air with what he's going to do after this season in Toronto, I'm pretty sure he does not want to be in the LeBron shadow. Definitely not. It's, no, it's not, not after a, this season. Yeah, it's 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 too much baggage. Uh Will the Anthony Davis trade ever happen? Who knows? Clay has already made it seem like he wants to stay put. And if they don't sign anybody, LeBron is going to depend on these guys that he obviously doesn't trust. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a scary thought to see what their future is going to be like. And, I, you know, he's got four years. Well, three more after this. And I... Yeah, one of those is an option. People, people, people always say it's a it's a three plus one. Yeah, these, so these he could be gone in two years if he needs to be. These guys, especially like you said, they're you know their core is like twenty twenty one years mm-hmm. old. You know, it takes a few years for these guys to gel. You can't have a core of a team be that young yet because they're not going to learn how to win together yet. You know, and by the time that they actually could stay together, which you know will not even be on the team next year, who even knows? Right. You know, uh, 
they're going to have a hard time relying on that particular squad to bring LeBron James anything if they can't get another star. And so, it's not looking good. Yeah, so, I mean, I think there's three contingencies. The first one is we know Luke Walton has gone as head coach. Who do they bring in right now? There's three big uh, names. Well, not even big names. There's three names that they're talking about. Tyron Lue, Jason Kidd. Or uh, uh, Brian Shaw. There's two that are viable. I would say that Brian Shaw is probably the forerunner at this point. Mm -hmm. We know that LeBron James trusts him. Even in timeouts, you see him talking to Brian Shaw more than Luke Walton. You know, it's hard hard for uh, LeBron James, I'm sure, to trust a head coach that was in the same draft class as him. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Secondly, he got Toronto fired last year. No, he didn't get Tyron. I mean, leaving got Lou fired. So I guess technically that got him fired. But Tyron Lou still... I mean, he he's still a LeBron favorite. Eh. I'd say Jason Kidd's probably the outside shot. Just yeah, Jason. Uh, it, Jason Kidd didn't draw a lot of fans in Milwaukee, especially after leaving and watching him go on this run. Right, on except now. for maybe me because I liked his old school bag of coaching tricks and how to get extra timeouts. Spilling. My hats off yeah. to Jason Kidd in that respect. <laughs> so, so who they bring in as a head coach is a big uh, is a big uh, contributing factor to what's going to happen during the next three years in LA. Also, they're going to have to do the following two things uh, with a contingency on it. They have to land a free agent star, and I can tell you right now, there's only one player that I can really see them landing that's that's uh, that has the same mindset. And the ability to, to stand in against yeah, uh, that like, team. You like Jimmy, right? Yeah, Jimmy Butler. I, I mean, everybody else is they're either a debutante star like a Kevin Durant, who's who's too um, uh, fragile to be able to deal with that, or they're um, they have other like Kyrie probably will never be able to play with LeBron James again, right? The, right. the, the roads have been crossed too many times. So I'm looking at Jimmy Butler. He's got the same mentality. He'd probably thrive. Yeah, he with with LeBron. The only problem that has that I see with Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler does not do well with young guys. Oh who yeah, have, but, who have issues listening. Yeah, but so that's the other contingency. The the other part of this is you have to ship out uh, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, all of the yeah. Keith Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, uh, and Lonzo Ball, and some draft picks, and you have to get Anthony Davis. If you can keep Kuzma, and you get Jimmy Butler. Uh, with the Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and then you bring in some decent players that you know those veteran minimum right. um, star star clingers. Then, then yes, I think they're right up there with any other team in the NBA. Yeah, that that's, uh, that depends on a lot of yep. uh, a lot of ifs and and ands. But and then you have a two year window, and then you're probably going to start rebuilding again. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the. the this, this also involves Lakers, just a different iteration of the Lakers, uh, and it's more focused on Golden State, right? So there's a lot of drama in Golden State. Uh, right now, it's the DeMarcus Cousins isn't fitting in. I, there's there's talks about uh, about cutting him, uh, that, he, that he's bad for the team. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant is constantly being talked about about leaving. That every everything that he does right. uh, is is focused on where is he going to go next. He's becoming hostile with the media. You have Draymond Green and Kevin Durant fighting frequently. Dr- uh, uh, Kevin Durant siding with DeMarcus Cousins, acting like why is Draymond even considered a, a star? Yeah. yeah, Draymond is not happy with feeling like one of his teammates has one foot in and one foot out. Yeah, know? yeah. So, so to me, this is eerily reminiscent of the 2004 uh, quote unquote super team of Kobe, Shaq. Gary Payton and Carl Malone, where they were expected to dominate, but nobody got along. There was turmoil. I mean, Kobe had his own little thing going on, but nobody, thank goodness, in Golden State has to deal with that kind of kind of <laughs> distraction. But you could always tell that even though they were the most talented te- team on the court, they weren't necessarily always going to win, and then they ended up falling right. to the to the uh, super teammates 
of of uh, of Detroit. Um, what do you think? Fair or unfair to compare this Golden State team to those 2004 Lakers? Well, I think it's a little unfair. Mostly because that team that was expected to dominate had two of their their big four that were really on the tail end of their career. Yeah, they were supposed to dominate, and that was what we all thought. But to be quite honest, Gary Payton, sorry, my man, I know how you feel about him. And Carl Malone, I mean, this was the twilight of their career, so we can only expect so much out of them. It, it it's it's fair in a sense that it's you know these big names that that aren't quite gelling, but I don't think that these guys are quite uh, you know compare com- comparable because the Golden State, their guys are you know in the in their prime. You mm-hmm. can't, uh, you can't really deny that, except for maybe Boogie who's coming back from this injury. But he's not really, you know, he's a new, you know, cog in this wheel. And and I, I just think that Golden State's problems they run, they run a little deeper because these guys have also been together a lot longer than you know that combination in LA as well. Okay, fair. I mean, that's fair. I mean, you, you still, you still think Golden State's going to win it all? Hands down, or do you think there's no. at least a shadow of a doubt? Actually, what's really, really interesting, and they got dogged for it big time, was uh, Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. Did you hear them this last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah. They predicted coming out of the West. Yep, the Trailblazers. You know, uh, they had a pretty good win last night, but of course it was over Phoenix. But uh, mm. they're looking really good coming down this home stretch, and we don't get to say that too often. So no, I, I still think. That this is pretty much, with with the exception of, of Cantor and and um, maybe a couple other role players, I can't think of off the top of my head. This is isn't this the exact same team that got swept by New Orleans? Yeah, I mean that's that's, that's what, it's, it's close, but it, that's what again, worries me. Again, too, you gotta also believe that you know the more experience this particular core gets together, the better they get, the better they learn how to win together because mm-hmm. it is. It's very jarring for a team to keep moving new players in and out, and they never get a chance to kind of overcome and climb those mountains that they didn't quite make it to the top of before. So the more years that these cores get together, especially a solid one like in Portland, you know, the better their outcome looks as far as the playoff runs go. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. I mean, I, you, I, I still don't see Portland, but, yeah, I get what you're saying. No, I, well, I, I don't see it either. Okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, that, just they're, they're, not, they're not okay. my personal right. pick. I just think it's quite interesting that – a lot of these uh, basketball analysts, you know, a lot of them don't have Golden State at the top of their list anymore yeah. because of all these problems. Yeah. I'm still, again, Toronto all the way. And every every single week I feel better and better about that decision that, yeah, see, that I'm, on my, the, I'm on the Toronto in, in, wagon. Out of the West, it's kind of scary to me that I'm actually looking at the Rockets now with how yeah, they're coming, with, they're coming with how rough of a first half of the season they had and dealing with the, uh, the loss of their – uh, Trevor Ariza and other uh, important pieces that mm-hmm. they had last year, their 3 and D guys, you know, now actually coming on really, really strong now that Chris Paul is back from injury. James Harden is, you mm-hmm. know, making a pass or two every now and again now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, uh, what kind of goes under the radar? Uh, Daryl Morey, the GM for, mm-hmm. for Houston, he he got a black eye over letting um, Trevor Ariza and uh, um, 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 Boot. Luke Mbamute. Thank you. Uh, leave. All right, because th- that was your defense. Those were your stretch defenders. Uh-huh. They were the ones that could close out. They were the ones that could also hit threes, stretch the defense well, out yeah, a little bit. You had to make some room for uh, you know players like Melo to come. Right, in, you know? but that's what it is. They, he, these two people walk. He replaces it with a with a uh, a terrible decision to bring Carmelo in for what 10, 15 games or something like that. But what's gone under the radar is that he's really redeemed himself. 
Yeah. He picked up Austin Rivers for for chump change. That's right. Uh, he also picked up um, uh, man, I'm blanking on it. He uh, uh, Marquise Chris and another uh, uh, swing player. Good yeah, they, they did have a good uh, trade deadline. Yeah, uh, was it was mm-hmm. Kenneth Fareed. It was somebody like that that he picked up. Um, it was like a, I, I, I want to say it was a, a, like a, it was either Kenneth Fareed or a Kenneth Fareed type of player. <laughs> but he's made some really good decisions, and that's helped shore up that defense. And of course, Chris Paul getting healthy, which I think is actually a blessing because Chris Paul will get hurt at some point. They just decided to get it out of the way early. That's right. It's uh, it's nice that he's actually back and had as much time off as he did because we all know that he really needs it because yeah, right? Chris Paul injuries are as inevitable as the sun coming up tomorrow. So. Yeah, yeah. They were one hamstring away from the NBA Finals, but uh, I digress. Hey, uh, speaking of people saying ridiculous things, before we move on to the next topic, <laughs> did you did you see uh, Jeff Van Gundy was calling a game. It was the, the Lakers uh, versus whoever was beating the Lakers at the time. It was the Celtics game is what it was. With, what uh, crazy idea did he have now? So what he did was he said, and I'm going to paraphrase this, I should never be allowed to be a general manager of an NBA basketball team. I think if I was going to quote it, he'd say, at this point, you need to consider trading LeBron James to the Clippers for for space so that you can get two max level free agents. <laughs> I don't know who was calling that game with them, but they shut him. They said, "What?" And he said, "Yeah, get what you can for him so you get cap space to get everybody else. You got to do everything you can to get it on the table." And, he, and the other that guy, did, so he wasn't even like he, the other guy wasn't even entertaining the idea. He just looked at him and he went, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and then they moved on to a different... I was like, that's priceless. Uh, that's why they got Van Gundy there, though. You know? so, so He's always known for his hot takes, and that's probably about the hottest one I've ever heard. <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy will never be allowed to make basketball decisions for an NBA team, ever, because of that. Uh, so... One of the topics uh, that we try to do every week until the end of the year, uh, end of end of the regular season rather, is we take one of the uh, uh, postseason awards and we talk about it. So last week, two weeks ago, rather, we talked about um, uh, the MVP. Last week, we talked about um, uh, rookie of the year. Right. This this week, we're going to be talking about most improved player. So, Jason, I'll let you lead off most improved player. Who's uh, who's on your radar for this? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with Sabonis. Demontis Sabonis has been so solid this year. He went from just a pretty solid starter the last couple of years, actually the year before that he was coming off the bench, to uh, a player who's really making his mark and one also making his daddy proud. Uh, <laughs> shout out Arvidas. Uh, oh, I loved him so much growing up. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Sabonis has kept this. Uh, this Pacer team that nobody's given a chance. He's not only kept them uh, from sinking after the the Oladipo injury, but he has just kind of made them sore. And they are just going around that track, and they are they are they're beating some really good teams, and they're doing one of the most important things that a team that that you can tell if they their identity revolves around playing hard is they're not losing the games that they're supposed to win. Right. And that's been big for them to keep their spot and moving up to third place in the East. Yeah, I'll say Sabonis has improved every, this is what, he's a third year player now. Yeah, he's, he's, in, made, he's he, made a leap every season. Yeah, he can, I mean, he's an inside and out big man. He can shoot. He's got moves inside and you know that uh, his dad taught him that little hook shot and he's it's it's pretty phenomenal, you know. He's he's a little, a little undersized these days for a lot of, you know, fours, and especially sometimes he's uh, slid over, you know, playing a few minutes out of five. But, but what he's been doing has been nothing short of impressive. Right. No, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, his, 
when you look at his stat line, you know one of the things that uh, that always jumps out uh, as far as improvements is their their percent their shooting percentages, right? Because like you can score more points just by shooting more shots, mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily mean that you've really improved your game. It just means that something on that team has happened where you get more shots now. I think Buddy Heald is a good example of that. Buddy Heald's averaging 21 points a game, but he's shooting almost the same free throw uh, field goal and three point percentages. They just have uh, less options on the court, so he's going to need more shots. Right. I don't think that's much of an improvement, but if you look at Sabonis' stats, what are you seeing? Well, his rookie season, he averaged 5.9 points a game in 20 minutes. Now he's he's averaging only, what, 24.9 minutes a game, mm-hmm. averaging 14.3 points a game, and his production is really, really solid. He's pretty solid at the free throw line at 72%. He's really, really solid from the field, and if you look at his three-point percentage, he's shooting 57.1% from three. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're dealing with... It's not the biggest number uh, of makes, but he's still going to be a threat from out there. So right. So so when you look at these na- when you look at these numbers, more more importantly, he's he's getting he's getting a clip increase um, on his on his points per game. Relatively the same minutes from from he started. I think he's at like twenty five minutes a game yeah, he's, versus he's twenty when he started. Basically playing the same minutes as last year. Yeah. His field goal percentage has roof, shot right? up. Yeah. He's shooting sixty one percent from the field, which is making it so his his field goal attempts. He's only attempting five and a half shots. A game averaging fourteen point three points, so uh, and that's 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 so efficient. It's great. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think I think his numbers are really good. Uh, one of the things that I'm looking at, I'm sure his name's going to come up in, in some of the other awards that that I'm I'm going to hype up uh, him for probably most improved. I don't want to spoil it, but he's uh, I'm not most improved. Sorry, but sixth man. He's definitely on my radar for sixth man of the year. But uh, for me, as far as most improved, I'm going with uh, I'm going again. I'm on this Toronto bandwagon, so I'm biased. But Pascal Siakam, holy smokes, man! This guy, fourth year player, third year player. He's he's a uh, he, 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 like here's some just some hot numbers from him, right? So then this is only over last season, not not um, from his rookie year. He's up 11 minutes a game. He's uh, he's shooting 54. percent He's shooting 37% from three. Both of those are improvements. That's um that's like a 15% improvement on the three-point percentage. He's uh he's improved his free throw percentage, which is about that one always baffles me. Like, like how do you go like <laughs> he went from 62% to 77% shooting free throws? Like, what happens? Because the game doesn't change. You're literally standing in the same spot doing the same exact thing. Because free throws are mental. <laughs> the more experience you get, no, this is legit. Yeah. Free throws are a mental game. Ask Shaq, who could probably drain like 20, 30 in a row in practice. And it's been said that he did that. And he gets into the game and he shoots 50%. Yeah. And it just comes with, you know, some players can't get over that hump and they can't get over that mental break they have for their free throws. But, you know, some people gain confidence and that's pretty much what it's all about, you know. I gotcha. So, so he's up fifteen uh, percent on threes, fifteen percent per uh, on his free throws. He's also averaging sixteen points and seven rebounds a game, up from seven and four last season. Uh, but here's the one stat that, when I was looking at what he, what makes him uh, the most improved for me is he's scoring unassisted twenty percent more, which means he can now create his own shot. Where seventy, it was seventy-seven percent of his shots last year, he relied on somebody getting him the ball in an open position, which is, you know, that that's effort. You're you're definitely putting yourself in the right spot. But now you can get the ball and you can score half the time without having somebody to to bail you out or set you up. Especially a guy of his size, you know, those are. Uh, that's that's kind of what separates guys like Atenza Kumpo from a lot of other players in the league. A really long, like six ten, mm-hmm. very lightning quick, an incredible reach, and he can also put the ball on the floor. 
finish at the hole. I don't know if you've seen some of his highlights yes. this year, but man, taking contact and being able to have that body control and enough strength, and this kid's only going to get stronger. He's still right. pretty young, you know, to be able to be strong enough to take that contact and still get the shot up and make it and finish. And yeah, um, he's been pretty good. I'd say one of the things that don't come across in the stat line, but definitely come across on the television if you're watching his games too, is with his length and speed, he closes out on shooters and he, he he's tough on the inside, on the defensive side of the uh, side of things. He he allows them to take gambles that they normally couldn't uh-huh. take last season. Uh, and in another year or two, I think this guy could be an all-star level player. He could, in fact, be your insurance policy, heaven forbid, Kawhi walks. Well, especially in uh, in the East, uh, if guys like D'Angelo Russell are right there, Siakam, <laughs> Siakam is a borderline all-star, man. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised one bit if he makes another leap even close to what he's done this year. I agree. Uh, and he if won't. he's in there, you know? Yeah, and, and I don't think he'll be one of those. Maybe I'm wrong. Not that he, the all-star game matters, apparently. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, and again, when he does make that leap, I don't think he's going to be one of those players who become a diva. I think he'll always be one of those, like, uh, roll up your sleeves, hard working kind of like how Jimmy Butler was yeah. that same way. Jimmy Butler made that leap to All Star. He's never really changed his mentality. It, it's a it's abrasive a bit, but he's still like that you know blue collar, hard working basketball player. And I think Siakam, no matter what level he gets, is always going to have that same mentality because his game's kind of predicated on that. Yeah, so. I don't see him changing anytime soon. Yeah, uh, from one from one uh, team basketball orientated uh, topic to another. One of the things we were discussing uh, for topics for the show, uh, it, it kind of bled over from last week, is you know unselfish basketball and team first. And uh, you know, one of the questions is, can we see this becoming a new trend? And uh, and I kind of want to spend a little bit more time, and, and I think you want to spend a little bit more time, kind of digging in this as well. Yeah, you know, it's it's been uh, it's been great to see some of these non superstar driven teams actually being not just a little competitive but extremely competitive against these teams that are built to try to dominate the season you know uh the milwaukee bucks are the number one team in the league the denver nuggets are number two in the west right now but only separated by one game behind golden state and that is uh that's that's really something for a team that has not made a lot of noise since uh you know matumbo was laying on the ground (laughs) holding that ball up in the air against the sonics and and Damn it. <laughs> sorry, man. <laughs> I always make Sonics fans feel bad. Sorry. You know that 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 playoff series that was the, the reason. That the first time you cried out loud as a teenager about basketball. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. No, that was the that playoff <laughs> season. That playoff series is the reason why we have seven game first rounds now. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that one right there, ladies and gentlemen, you can thank Dikembe Mutombo for dragging out the first round of the playoffs for uh, an additional two games. Shout out Lafonso Ellis too, <laughs> Robert Pack. <laughs> remember, that you remember? Team. I felt so bad. <laughs> Don't judge me, listeners. Robert Pack uh, during the the um, the flooding in New Orleans after the after the hurricane hit, right? Uh, he posted his personal number. On a basketball game. I think I was at your house when this came up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love Robert Pat growing up, man. Oh. I love Robert. So I saved that. I don't think I ever called it, but I saved that number. And every every couple of days, I'd look at it and be like, I wonder if I could just call him and be like, hey, Robert, how's it going on? Just let the, the buzz die down. And right. Maybe you can just sneak a call in. Right. Like once I find out that his family's safe, right? right. Like, okay. <laughs> now I don't mind calling. Never did, though. Uh, well, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. Let's get it back on the rails here. Uh, you know, oh, sorry. It's it's been it's been a long time since we've actually had this kind of basketball. You know, um, 
I'm I'm excited to see where these teams are going to be headed, and if they do have a these kind of situations, I think would be ideal for some of these uh, free agents, these big names, to actually decide to go to 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 kind of be a part of because they know that these these teams were were constructed in the right way, building through the draft, little subtle trades here and there, and uh, and it hasn't been anything to shake anything up. They've just been growing together, playing a few years together, and they're just getting better and better as these uh, seasons kind of go yeah. on. So I'd say it really happens on uh, – or, I mean, it really depends on if this becomes a trend – on uh, what happens in the playoffs, right? So this is a copycat league, and the reason why everybody uh, is trying to put together their their three star super teams is because it worked in Miami, right? LeBron James, mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh started this whole trend of right. today's NBA of, of let's all super. Yeah, they tried win- to say that it started in Boston, but that is completely false. Yeah, you can't say that like, just because a team drafted really well. That 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 was a bunch of players wanting the super team, right? Or or you're yeah, talk, you're, you're talking, about the, talking about the, the, the title run, yeah. Yeah, the, when, the old the yeah, old like you got old uh, yeah. old Garnett and old uh, Paul Allen. Pierce, old yeah. Ray Allen, you know. Yeah, that's that's not a fair comparison because that was no. that was a, a one last hurrah. I've given you my entire prime. I got one or two seasons left of being good, mm-hmm. and I really want to win. This is players coming into their prime saying, "I don't want to have to try really hard to win. So if I just get a bunch of us together, you know, it's just no different than on the playground. Everybody experienced that growing up. You'd be like, well, hey, that's let's... what they did was they just picked their best friends. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, the <laughs> four of us versus you guys, and we're like. Like that guy doesn't even have shorts on. This guy's never played basketball, and the four of you are on 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 the the, the school team. But yeah, it'll be fair, and that's exactly what the super team thing was. But now you have it in Golden State, and every general manager in the league is trying to gut their team and tank so they get a superstar in the draft. Plus, they can bring in a couple more superstars and have their own super team. Uh, you know, the other thing is if you look at the mid range shot is gone, and everybody drives their shots three now. Now you can take Golden State to a lesser extent because it seems for both of those teams. So. If staying together, working hard, playing defense, distributing the scoring load, if that wins a title, then that's what's going to happen. And it, it would be nice to have a future in the league where these teams aren't literally just pissing away their draft picks in a chance to land superstars. Like so many, so many teams don't even have their own picks now yep. that it's almost impossible to keep track of when draft day comes because this person, oh, uh, whether it be. Uh, 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 pick with a you know stipulation on it whether it's you know top whatever protected it's 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 these teams closing their window to a two two to five year span yep. you know getting rid of draft picks so far ahead into the future too that should their title runs not work out you know should the fr- the free agents they get the the stars they try to bring in not deliver well now they're going to have to have an even longer time mm-hmm. of of drought because they lost all of their picks. Well, let me ask you this then. Do you think owners are going to get tired of catering to their superstars by bringing in their buddies or or, or uh, stripping the, the team down of like the next 10 years of assets just to bring in somebody else to appease their superstar and, and then have when they don't, you know, what – you know, 30, 30 teams in the league, twenty nine of them aren't winning a title every year. Yeah. So, I mean, what? I mean, are we in a position where the owners are finally going to push back? Do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think so, and I think part of the part of the reason too is it's alienating so many people on their team. They have their star- their superstars, and then all of these people that it seems like maybe things that 
expectations they have, things that they want, well, those are never going to be met because the team is too busy catering to this one guy. And I don't know if you know, uh, it's pretty easy for some of these guys to get their feelings hurt. <laughs> and nobody's they're never going to have a cohesive team that way. No, I agree. So I... I I'm a little more leery on if a, if the owners are going to stand up because yeah, while most of them, uh, some of them really care. Like I think Mark Cuban is an owner yeah. that really really cares. I think the buses really care about titles. I think it's title or bust uh, mentality for well, some of the owners. But what's, what's what's interesting though, some of the owners, it's not even about titles. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if they can bring in that that star, you know, they'll sell more tickets and they'll make more money. Yeah. If a title's nice, that's one thing. But a lot of times, just like the players, it is just about you know cashing in those dollars. So. Yeah, you know that's what I think is a uh, Will Boston put up with a Kyrie. They they're gonna kind of have to like he's still Danny Ainge's you know wife or whatever. I don't remember that thing. He's like we're still engaged to get married or something like that. Uh, would if Anthony Davis didn't make a public um, outcry through his agent to get out of New Orleans, would they tolerate his antics? I think so because it, it, without Anthony Davis, they lose money. Yeah, and I don't think that ownership group really thought title I think they just thought competitive and yeah. competitive equals uh, financial solvency or whatever you know like like they have a chance to make it um, yeah there'll, there'll be some fans especially like in uh, in New Orleans who will well, I mean, you'll see a real big drop off in attendance mm-hmm. once they lose their superstar. I think so. And for that reason too, I do not see Boston throwing Kyrie over the edge of that flat Earth anytime soon. So, <laughs> so outside of like real headache players like a Demarcus Cousins, Jimmy Butler is the ones that are super like destructive to to the players around them. Mm-hmm. I see owners being able to take a stand and get rid of them, but basketball owners are not going to be like the owners in the NFL. You know, and Antonio Brown threw a fit, and, and they were they traded him for peanuts to the to the Raiders. They're yeah. just not having it, I right? I saw that today. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the NBA, the players still hold most of the cards, and I think the owners, as long as they're making money and they're not creating a negative impact on the image of the team, they're going to put up with that. Um, you know. I, I, I would I would go so far as to 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 say um, you have to identify the the stars of the league, right? Like why why are so many of the stars in the league seemingly unhappy with their situation? So let me ask you that because maybe that's where this conversation starts. Well, a lot of them. Uh, they say that it's because of titles. I want to go to a contender. I'm not happy with this team. I'm not. We're not competitive. We're not where I want to be. This isn't getting me in the situation I want to be in. Uh, one that comes to mind, especially, is Kyrie Irving. We were just mm-hmm. talking about him. Yeah. Where now he came out and said this last week, where you know I didn't, I didn't come in this league to be, you know, a superstar and have people <laughs> all up in my business and and blah blah blah, you know. Congratulations to uh, you making that Uncle Drew movie. Uh, I right. don't know what you're expecting after that, but you know you kind of put yourself in the line mm-hmm. right there a little bit. So don't go back on that now. Yep. Um, but obviously, you know millions and millions of dollars aren't making him too happy. Uh, he's even has his ring yet. Uh, there's just something that is. Uh, just not working out, and it's not because he doesn't have good teammates. I, I think the fact that he's the way he's bashing them uh, in the media lately is going to have a really hard time of getting them to to think any better of him and to get the the train back on the track, so to speak. Yeah. You know, LeBron has been really. I mean, he's a golden example of you know unhappiness and discontent with this young core. You know, the way he started out the season being gung ho, and then this complete you know attitude change and just 
telling all these kids that they have to work harder and he's not leading by example. He's telling them to work harder while popping in through his injury with, yeah. with a bottle of wine, sipping it, and then leaving while they were practicing. Yeah. Work harder. Work harder, kids. Yeah. Like, what? It's ridiculous. So you, if you want anybody to follow, you need to lead by example. And if there's anybody to blame for his unhappiness about that whole Ligger situation, well, you know, he needs to look in the mirror. Right. So you know? so I'm looking at – so LeBron is a problem when it comes to that uh, that, that star happiness level. Um, um, Kyrie, Kevin Durant. You know, a lot of these names are people that they, they don't really have a home, right? Like they, they've, mm-hmm. they've bounced around. They've, they've become mercenaries. When I look at – when I look at some of the stars in the league, if you wanna if you wanna look at Steph Curry, for instance, he absolutely loves Golden State. Oakland area loves him. Like like he he does not have any of this noise around him. Even when he was going through injuries, he had a hundred percent support behind him, and there's no question. Yeah, you know, he's we, got a little more than that. You need to check out what he's got written on the bottoms of his shoes. So yeah, and then you know on his uh, Twitter feed and you know everything <laughs> else. Like he actually started a movement in Golden State. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you go to uh, 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 at the time, I think he's changed it, but at the time it was Harrison Barnes. Yeah, I think it was Clay Thompson. It was Steph Curry. There was like two or three other players. Uh, the number, do you know what the first word on their Twitter feed was, or the, the, their bio of who they are? What's first that? word, believer. Yeah, that was it. And it was a it was a team movement, right? Like like I mean, you had I think it was a, when I looked, it was a total of six people, right? So that has to start somewhere. Obviously, ownership and the head coach, they're not doing that. That's a that's a, a team buying into something, right? Uh, as a group, they, and then doing why... everything as a group. That's that why they on. collectively wanted to play with joy, and that's where that whole style came from. You yeah, know? and this is probably the first season where they're not really enjoying that. Not so much. Um, so, you know, you have Steph doing that. You have Russell Westbrook loves being in Oklahoma City. He he is a thunder through and through. Yeah, Dame up in Portland. Even James Harden, even though he wasn't, that's not his original team, uh, when he left the Thunder and he became a Rocket, he truly is a Rocket. Yeah. He's part of that Houston he, community. He's a uh, organization. Yeah. So that's what it is. Like, the, the happiest players, the teams, the players that seem the most content are the ones that aren't trying to jump ship. They're right. bringing people in. Yeah, Chris Paul can play with me. So-and-so can play with me. But they're not trying to leave, whereas LeBron James is always seeking that what that adoration. Whatever opportunity is best for him. Yeah, go you to. know, I, I think of the unhappiest players in the league, the only exception would be Draymond Green, who's just unhappy because he's Draymond Green. Yeah, like that's just who he is. That's that's if he was a WWE wrestler, he would be a heel because that's the role he has to play. So it's just who he is. Yeah. Well, a part of that too is because of his his mentality. He was like that when he was playing for Michigan State too. Yep. And you know, to be a guy who was as unheralded as him coming into the league, second round pick, he uh, he had to do something to kind of separate himself to be to be as uh, you know. I don't want to say as dirty of a player as he was. He was pretty dirty though. But man. yeah, but he uh, he was able to. To, to take that leap into to being a star in this league because of his attitude. But, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, the he thing about him, role. though, is he, he's unhappy because there's people on his team that aren't sharing in that kind of loyalty that he has yeah. to, to Golden State. Oh, so. he hates that. Like yeah. that's a you have Demarcus Cousins who does not buy in because he's a rental, and you have Kevin Durant who's on his way out, and so he, he's not he's non-committal. And I think Draymond Green is like the he's like the father of that team, right? Yeah. Like he's the no, he's he's you know Steph Curry is their 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 all star, their basically uh, you know their it boy. But mm-hmm. you know Draymond Green is the guy that brings all of them together. And when there's people that won't listen to Draymond, I have a feeling he's like me when my kids don't listen, just gets cranky. And pedoed, so <laughs> right, so Steph Curry is your CEO, but Draymond Green is the head of security. Like that's <laughs> that's how that works. So you know, I think that 
I think that not having team loyalty, um, man, this is gonna. I'm gonna segue right into the next topic, and, and it, you know we're, we're getting short on time, so this might actually be it. I mean, this 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 podcast has gone by way too quick, in my opinion. But you know, when you look at some of these players as they're moving around, Anthony Davis is a really good example, wanting to get out. Kyrie wanting to get out. They they're all wanting to get out of their contract a year earlier than they're allowed to. You know, I, I think I don't know if you coined it, but you were the first person I heard say it, calling it pre agency, right? <laughs> right. So. Um, more and more stars, they're demanding a trade the year before the free agency. They use the threat of leaving as leverage to make, the, make it so they go to the team that they want to go rather than wherever. So here's my thought, man. I blame restricted free agency. So, you know, uh, rookies came into this league, let's see, back in the early 90s, back in the late 80s. We'll start all the way back right. there. I think Danny Ferry was the one who, who, who broke it so that they realized you had to have a rookie contract where he held, uh, gosh, was it the Cavs, no, the Spurs, put, put, somebody? Danny Ferry put a crack into it. The person yeah. who shattered the entire thing was Glenn Robinson. Okay. Where the, yeah, that's right. Held, held the team for, for uh I believe it was ransom. like an $80 million yeah. contract or something yep. like yeah, that. Yeah, but unproven players demanding a ridiculous amount of money. So the, the league said, okay, well, we need rookie contracts. I, I, for one, am a big fan of rookie contracts. There could, there could be some tweaking that's done to it. But for the most part, I think the 3 plus 1 and the 2 plus 1 if you're a second round pick, I think that's a brilliant format. Mm -hmm. But the problem that I have, and I think that it's leading to pre-agency and it's leading to all the problems that we're seeing with today's superstars, is that at the end of that rookie contract, thanks to Shaquille O'Neal, the team that you're that you, that drafted you holds your restricted rights. They can match any contract you sign, and they're given the ability to sign you at a higher clip, right? So if you right. re-sign with your team, you get more money. If you want to leave and sign somewhere else, that team can still match the contract, and you're still stuck where you are. Effectively making it so that you're going to be, uh, uh, if you're drafted by the New Orleans Pelicans, you're New Orleans Pelicans, for, uh, Pelican for seven to eight years, right? So if you're coming out at 20 years old, you're 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 coming in. To the to the last part of your prime, right? Two two more years, three okay, more years right. of your prime, and then you're going to start dipping down. That's holding a player hostage for too long. Because let's look at like twenty plus teams in this league have poor management, and they're not designed to win. We're putting players j just because Shaq left and, and Orlando was left holding the bag, and they said, "Well, that's not really fair." Well. This system is not fair for the players, right? And it's it, it's not only damaging the players, but it's damaging these teams too. Yeah, they should not have it restricted. I think once they get their rookie contract, see, this would make it so. So, I mean, granted, I'm sure players could, you know, decide to not go into the draft, go into the G League, and then mm -hmm. come into the league that way. But you get no shine in doing that, right? And that's kind of big. I mean, players need to do that for for one their brand to make any sort of career out of this and to, to actually get that big contract. Mm -hmm. But well, I still, it, it I has think... ruined it. They, they've, they've made it so some of these guys are in these horrible situations. I feel bad for anybody who's drafted by the Suns. Right. You know what I mean? And other examples of that is where a team isn't even trying. And, you know, it's it's a shame. They shouldn't be able to do it for so long. I don't even think that for first-round picks they should have that 3 plus 1. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think just have it a straight, straight three years. Three years isn't bad. Yeah, you know what I mean. It'll give that even if it's in a bad situation, it'll give that player a chance to to be in that organization, say even as long as it would be as they're going through their years in college. Yeah, you know, and get time to develop their game. Uh, should they, you know, not be performing, they do have that opportunity to go into the G League, get some experience that way too, and then you know you've seen some positives come out of that, and then these guys can. Uh, uh, you know, kind of continue on and and then you know get their experience that way. 
but having them in a bad situation for so long and the thing about having them in that that same that same team where uh, they they aren't getting any opportunities mm-hmm. is then they're just stuck. Yep. You know, a, a big good example of that has been like that Nerland's Noel. Yeah. Or all of a sudden like, you know, He's just not playing. He's not getting experience. He, he doesn't get the opportunity to go anywhere else, and he's just stuck. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, 76ers went on a roll of drafting people and then putting them on the bench. You know, yeah. uh, Jaleel Okafor. We never really you know, could see if his game would develop because they no. would invest in him. Same thing with Nerlens. Yeah, he's well. kind of doing it now. Yeah, but but they, uh, you know. It was. It was at the time that 76ers franchise was in disarray. It's not the 76ers we talk about today, where we're like, you know, it's the, the semi big four. It was literally Sam Hinkie's process of let's draft a player and then trade him. You know, Michael Carter Williams wins Rookie of the Year, gets sent off to Milwaukee or somewhere. Um, it was just a matter of burning through players. You know, Drew Holiday gets traded for a draft pick, who turns out to be Jaleel Okafor, who gets traded for a second round pick. <laughs> like they definitely had a lot of problems with the way they were running things, and it was indicative mm-hmm. of a really bad franchise to the point where the NBA stepped in and said, you need to hire this person to run your operations. Of course, that person then ended up being well, a really creepy... Yeah, Colangelo didn't do the best job. Right, you know? but but somebody had to step in and say, you can't do this. If you look at Phoenix, the same thing. Uh, uh, Papa Colangelo left, and now all of a sudden, you know, James Jones and, and uh, Igor, I don't even know the coach's name, they have no clue what they're doing. Uh, they have, you know, they have no vision. So if you get drafted into Phoenix, you know, DeAndre Ayton, maybe he'll be okay because he's got Devin Booker there, and maybe maybe they'll fall lucky into it. But look at Dragon Bender, mm-hmm. Josh Jackson. I mean, these players are just uh, – they have terrible draft picks after terrible draft picks. So a DeAndre Ayton could literally be stuck on a 30-win team or a 25-win team for eight seasons. He'll be 27, 28 years old, just with never ta- never tasting the playoffs. Yeah, you know, and it's not even – not even that those players – you know, it's not even a lot of times that they those guys suck. It's mm-hmm. that – Again, being a bad organization, they don't care about the coaching. Yep. They don't care about that player development. Yep. So these guys in different systems could easily make big strides. Yes. You know, Bender being a guy as big as he is, being able to shoot the shoot the ball the way that he is, mm-hmm. he's a really good example of what a you know a current day NBA player is. But in that kind of organization, it's just it's lacking so much, and these guys aren't going to be able to develop. Right. And then they're stuck. Yeah. You put you put a you put a Dragon Bender or a Josh Jackson or any of these players on a team like the Spurs, and they're going to get that uh, organizational support. Where they can become a decent role player, you know, I, I, we talked about it last week. Jonathan Simmons, right? Mm-hmm. That's one. Uh, th- there's a couple of them that we could talk about that came out of. Like, I don't think Patty Mills is Patty Mills if he's not uh, in that system. You no, know what I mean? Absolutely not. But it, it just it, it, Danny Green, same thing. Danny right. Green became a great player because it was one solid system. You were taught the same thing, and it was reinforced every single week. Whereas you have a revolving door of coaches at 20 plus organizations. Coaches change every three, four years. GMs change every two to three years. The direction can't keep shifting on players, and then they have to tolerate it for eight years. How many head coaches, um, you know, how many general managers, how many organizational changes have we experienced in Anthony Davis's six years or seven years? Six years now. Six, too many, too many years. to even yeah. keep track of. It's been crazy. So, you know, I. Uh, I think we remove that, and yeah, the the team becomes a little bit at risk of losing their their star in four years. Yeah, but it gives them motivation. The, to... If you ask me, there should be a bonus, not if the player stays, but when you ha- do have that prior that year before the contract ends, and you can offer an extension. Mm-hmm. You know, have that be where the bonus is at, and if she, should he choose to take it, then you could sign him for that higher salary and give him that you know that extra. What is it like? Almost thirty thousand dollars for signing like a max contract as opposed thirty million, to, yeah. yeah, as opposed to going to another team. Yeah, and if they agree to do that, 
and sign the extension there, that's 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 that, yeah, fine. You, that's the buy-in, right? There. Yeah, but controlling his future by saying, you know what, no. You can't sign with those guys because we're going to match that offer. And, and then you just have a disgruntled superstar yep. for the next five years on your contract. Nope. I agree. LeBron did that. He, he he re-signed, and then he left the first available chance he could mm-hmm. get. Kyrie did that. Kevin Durant did that. I remember Kevin Durant re-signed his rookie deal to the to that first extension, talked mad crap about the way LeBron James bailed on Miami. He's like, I just quietly re-signed my contract with, uh, with Oklahoma City because I'm a Thunder. No, they owned your rights. You had no other option. You just took the most money you could, yep. and then you got out of it the first chance you could. That's it. That's 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 the nuts and bolts of it. That's right. And, and you know, there's rules. Uh, like, if you want to take it even one step further, because uh, I thought, well, you know, if you really wanted a like a Ben Simmons hits free agency, and you really want him, sign him, offer him like a ridiculous one year max deal, and then if the team signs it, he he gets to leave a year later, and but he got paid max money for it. The league has rules designed that you can't offer a contract to a restricted player less than three years. See, that's just ridiculous. Right? Anybody should be allowed to sign whatever contract they want to the contract. You know, also, too, uh, should they make these 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 changes, they, they really need to, to think about it when they have their next collective bargaining agreement uh, meetings, whenever that co- – do you know when that contract is up? I'm yeah, I think, sure. they're, I think it's this next season, right? Yeah. I, there, there has to be some changes made because what they said was going to be working for, for the players uh, – is just being detrimental to the league, right? And players aren't even taking. If you notice, they're not even taking the the big money to resign. They're taking every opportunity they can and be like, eh, you know, an extra thirty million. I don't care. I'm gonna go over here because, you know, at the end of the day, with shoe deals and with with uh, you know other endorsements, with their base salary being so high these days. Mm-hmm. Dude, Thirty million is chump change to some of these guys, right? So. And and they can make it up. You know, you sign a five year deal. Carmelo's a really good example. Carmelo signed a max term, max money deal, and then by the time that contract ended, he was getting. I mean, he 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 got bought out his last contract, and then he was given veteran minimum deals. Where if he would have done a three year deal, he could have got out, signed a new four year deal, maximized two more years at the end of it. So, they're, the the players, the players and their agents have found ways around that oh, whole yeah. thirty million dollars more to resign thing. I'm just saying, I think we can improve the league. I think it, it eliminates some of these superstar problems that we have. And Jason, we're already at the hour mark. Wow. You know, it's literally the fastest hour of my week. <laughs> I think we sit around and talk to our, to each other without microphones longer than this about basketball. I so. think so. It just goes by quick. So, you know, anybody out there listening, uh, please feel free. Anytime you have a question, comment, concern, you just want to make fun of one of us, it's overandback at gmail.com, O-V-E-R-N-B-A-C-K at gmail.com. You'll definitely get read on our podcast as long as it's not too obscene and you don't mind it uh, being edited. If it is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, until next week. Oh, also, uh, before we sign off, too, uh, look for us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash over and back. Uh, come check it out. Yeah. And again, we have uh, the Spotify, right? Google Play. Simplecast. Simplecast. Uh, and and uh, soon to be on iTunes. So once I get the image right. Anyways, <laughs> listen to us. Check us out. Email us. Take fun. Uh, ha- take luck. Take 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 take, take take the luck that you have. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, have a great week, man. We'll see you next time. Peace.